0: I was noticing the floor and trying to observe where it might have been, and it seemed strange. Uh, you know, time, time goes on, and things change. Situations change, and of course the question is, do we change? Uh, I wanted to talk this morning about change, uh, how we change, and Uh, I found the Sunday school lesson rather fascinating in some of the comments, and uh, if I could uh, mention one person, I I was very, very impressed with uh, Brother Joe's forthrightness in his comment. Uh, Change. The reality of change is that we're all doing it. We are all doing it. Uh, we're either changing for the better, we're becoming better people, or we're becoming harder to live with people. That's the reality. There's no such thing as static. There's no such thing as stay the same. And and there's also another tidbit I want to put in here at the beginning. <clears throat> you know, after lo these many years, I realized that whatever you do today, whatever way you live today, whatever way you think about things, whatever choices you make, whatever habits you... okay. Mm -hmm. See, the thing is, we don't think about what we're doing today as a habit. It's just whatever we do today. Whatever we're doing today and then we do again tomorrow. And then we do again the next day. That is soon a habit. And what I realize now at this stage of life is that, uh, whatever this is, um, it takes as long to change it as it did to grow it. It takes as long for it to get different as it did to get that way. that, that that's how we are. It's how it's how we function. It's how we're made. Uh, so whatever our life is today, and whatever we allow ourselves to think and feel and do, and whatever, whatever we, whoever we are today, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, now people, people are not, people are not a math problem. They're not a math problem. And the factors that that affect change or result in change in our lives, they are not the numbers in the math problem. Uh, because change, people, people and change are not a science. It would be nice if they were. We're not a math equation. Okay? But, but, the other side of it is that, that there definitely are factors that con- there are factors that contribute to change or there are factors that contribute to who we are, as we are, the way we are. There are factors that contribute to, the, to this and these are the things that have to change. These are the things that that we have to do something with if we're going to change. So, growing up, growing up, growing, (laughs) and maybe it's up, growing and changing. Most of us, I think, I think, most of us have intended to grow. We've intended to change all our lives, yes. And those of us who are older have been intending to do this for a longer time and for a long time. Okay? I intend this to be just, you don't have to laugh, but a little humorous, but it's very serious. We we have intended this for a long time, and, and maybe we've even thought about how we might could do this. But the reality is that most people struggle to do it. Okay? You know, some of these things, they're, they're realities that would help if we could just say yes that's the truth that's how it is most people intend to most people want to most people plan to but most people struggle to do it and the reality is i would say that that many people don't really know how they don't know what it takes they hardly know what's going on for them inside or why they do what they do or the what's the basis of my grand reaction this morning and my hollering at whatever and throwing things. Pardon me. I don't know anything about anything anybody did this morning. I'm just saying how these things can be. And very few people, I think, would know how how to say that here are the three to five things that contribute, would contribute to growing. Now... The fascinating thing is that the Bible actually talks a lot about growing up. There's a lot of comments in the Bible about growing. Now, uh, before I go further, uh, I want to summarize and then make a disclaimer. I want to summarize the areas that are that are involved in changing. These maybe aren't all of them, but there's some of them. Uh, these these. Areas that are involved in changing involve, they include the desire to change, um, whether or not we cooperate with God in whatever He wants to do, Uh, surrender to Jesus, that's part of change, our thoughts, doing something about our thoughts, doing something about our feelings and our attitudes, now, you're passing out, aren't you? It's too much. Okay? But that's not the end of it. The beliefs we have, that, that, that affects who we are and whether or not we can change. What, we, what, what feels true to us, that's part of it. The commitments we've made that I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, whatever, that's part of it. Uh, the way we make choices what we base the choices on, and what we remember, our memories, that's part of, that's part of change too. Okay, now, now, my disclaimer is I'm not going to talk about all that this morning, so sigh of sigh of relief. Uh, there's no time to talk about all of that. Uh, I'm going to talk about a few of them. Okay, the first one I want to talk about is do we need to change, do we need to grow, do we need to grow up? Um, I have a true story here. Um, Two men were sent by uh, their home church as missionaries to a foreign country. Um, The man who had been A believer, the longest time, was the one in charge of the team. Uh, Along the way, uh, they added uh, someone else to the team. And not long after that, uh, the younger brother on the team of the first two, he became the leader. Not long after that, the helper who joined them, he left. And there's nothing that I've read that that explains the basis for any of these decisions. That just says this, this is what happened. So then they finished their journey and they the missionary work and they went home, and they reported to their church, and everybody was happy and supportive. And so later they sent them again. So these two men got together to talk about the trip and make plans. And the one of them wanted to take along this young man who had forsaken them on the first trip. And the other one said, No, he's not going. And then, and then, and then they had a fallout fight. And so they separated ways. And it's a true story. It's in the Bible. It's Paul and Barnabas. Uh, Now, the Bible doesn't actually say in what ways these two men were immature or how they should grow or what the problem was. There's no comments made about it. But, But from my perspective, you know, there's some things going on there that it's like we are today. Uh, I'll just say I've been in I've been in many situations in leadership and not in leadership and following people and working with people and um, I'm just here to say that everybody I know, including myself, has room to grow. That's how it is, and it doesn't help to deny that. It doesn't help at all. Uh, Do we need to grow? Uh, what is the evidence? Okay, I'm sorry, but what is the evidence? And uh, sometimes, sometimes we are very um, blind to our own needs. And uh, so, you know, maybe if you would ask your wife or your children or or whoever, or your husband or your employer or fellow workers, you you might would find out to have a more accurate. Uh, view do we need to so ephesians four twenty two uh, says twenty two to twenty four says that we should put off certain things and then put on certain things and that we should be renewed in the spirit of our mind whatever that means which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So I'm saying those verses are talking about change. Something's going to change. Something about us, something about our attitude, something about our behavior is going to be put off. However that happens, we don't know yet, do we? Put off, and then something is put on. And it has it has something to do with being renewed in the spirit of the mind. Uh, in Second Corinthians three eighteen, and I very much uh, appreciate this verse. Uh, it says, "We all with an unveiled face." And in the previous verses, Paul has been talking about Moses coming down from the mountain after he saw God, met God. And he put a veil over his face so the people couldn't see the glory departing, I think was what it was about. We all, with unveiled face, were coming to God, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, in an open-faced manner. Uh, and we are beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. It's, it's then that we... It says, are being transformed, changed into the same image of character, kind of person from glory to glory. Uh, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's open faced, meaning no hiding. And it happens during, one word for this could be worship. And this is given as the source of growth or change into the character of Christ. Now, it, it happens from one level of Christ-likeness to another, I think is what it's meant from glory to glory. And, you know, the, the, the one thing about the Bible is that there are many, many statements made, many verses made, many stories told that are very compact. They're very summarized. And, and there's a lot of things left out. And so even in this kind of verse, there, there's, it's like a big picture of something. And, and we don't have... Let's see, what is it like? It's like the answer at the end of the math problem, and we don't, we don't know how we got there. We don't know what happened. We don't know what the factors were. It, it it doesn't really say a lot about the details of what it takes. But it's talking about something important, and that that is, at least, it's talking about worship and being there in an open-faced manner. Um, so let me say that one <clears throat> one summary thought I have about change is that Well, I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking, watch out, Milo, be careful here. Okay. Uh, One summary thing you can say about change is that in some respects, it's more about what God does than it is what we manage. All right? Now, as soon as I say that, I think, yes, but God can't work in something that he doesn't have access to or that we don't surrender to him or that we don't bring to him or not being honest with him about. But uh, God God is at work. Uh, now, now in, I want to think a little about the people at Corinth. Well, I'm talking about the need to grow. Uh, the context for growth. Uh, In Paul's letters to the Corinthians, I believe we'd all agree that they describe a fairly immature bunch of people. They're contentious, they're selfish, they're sinful. Uh, They allow sin. They're not proactive about obvious sin. I don't know why. Maybe they're just, you know, uh, long-suffering. That's a good trait. Which reminds me, dear people, that almost every good quality anybody has has a negative opposite. I'm sorry. That is really true. Almost every... Almost every positive has some negative possibility. I'll give you one example. People who are extremely conscientious, they are wonderful Christians, and that is what the Bible calls for. But I know some very very conscientious people who who are so focused on being conscientious that that they are and pardon me for the use of this word but they are compulsive and obsessed with it and they are more obsessed about that than they are Jesus I'm sorry Do you understand what I'm saying They're fo- they're so focused on getting everything just right that they can't hardly relax with Jesus and have a love relationship they're they're into something well, it's, it's just not quite right. Do you understand me? I'm saying there's the positives. No one would criticize anybody for being conscientious. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying it's it's too bad. I feel bad for us. I feel bad for us that this is the way we're created and this is how we function. And And even the positive things, that God grows in us, we have to be careful about the negatives that go with it. That's all I'm saying. Well, the Corinthians, they they were a sinful bunch, and yet Paul refers to them as saints. They're holy ones. So it might be helpful to remember that the word saint in the Bible refers to being set apart to God it refers to belonging to God. It refers to being a child or daughter of God, and it, and it doesn't refer to what I will call sinless perfection. It doesn't refer to having arrived at a at a, a sinless state where, where we're never tempted, or we never are unwise, or we never commit a sin. That's not what the word saint is talking about. In in Scripture, Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul says they are torn and divided among themselves into various factions. In chapter 3, Paul says they are (laughs) carnal and like babies. They're babies. They they are not very grown up. They're immature. And they're not even very spiritual. Mm. That's really tough. They, they have a lot of growing up to do. I'm talking about the need to grow up. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul corrects them for having a man among them who is living with apparently a stepmother, and they're okay with it. Uh, in chapter 6, he, he corrects them for taking community matters that should be resolved within the community, taking them to the world for resolution. In chapter 11, he corrects them concerning improper observance of the Lord's Supper. Chapters 12 to 14, improper observance of spiritual gifts or use of spiritual gifts. Uh, and then in 2 in Corinthians, uh, in chapter 7 in particular I'm thinking of, he commends them for accepting his corrections in the first letter. And that that's a good sign. Um, now in Second Corinthians four, Paul says that even though we live an earthen vessel, we live in an earthen vessel, and are troubled on every side in this fallen world, the risen Jesus will sustain us. That's what Paul says. That's what God says. So I'm not trying to be hopeless here, okay? There's hope for us. Yes, we do need to change, but there is hope because Jesus is risen from the dead. Uh, So a few things. What does it take? A few introductory things. What does it take to change and grow? Uh, The first one I want to offer to you is a desire for something to be different. Uh, I was thinking... Uh, of this story and actually I couldn't think where it was and I couldn't find it and I I asked Mary Sue and after a while she came I didn't ask her how she found it but she came and said John 5 I think I said thank you oh, I want to ask her did I say thank you okay John 5 <clears throat> 5 to 9 uh, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? That does seem like a rather odd question. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Uh, <clears throat> some, of the, some of the stories you know about Jesus, they're, they, they're a little strange. Some of them, I was like, What was going on there? So, his answer was, uh, Do you want to be healed? So the answer is, I'm an invalid. I'm lame, I'm paralyzed, whatever it was, and I can't get into the water by myself, and other people rush into the water, and no one helps me. Now, I think think if someone would tell me that, I might think you're you're, you're blaming others, and come on, man, come on, you know. All right. I'm just saying. It, it, the man's response seems to mean that, yes, he does want to be healed, but he feels helpless to do anything about it. That, that's and, and that's why he's asking Jesus for help. He doesn't know what else to do. Uh, but what I want to say is it's interesting here that Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And... This may sound really strange. It may sound strange. But many of us, many people have have things about them that God wants them to change in and wants to change them in, and other people want them to change in, but they really are not interested in it. Okay? They really aren't. And and by now, you know, I, I wonder why, and and I'm just going off for something. Maybe because it's working, it's working for them. Do you get that? It's kind of okay. It's really not okay, but it's kind of okay. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody this morning, but I'm just saying. Do, do we want to change? It, it takes a desire for something to be different. I don't, I don't think we normally get different. We don't change unless we really, really want to. For most people, it doesn't just happen. You kind of have to want to. You have to decide. This is really what I want to do, and then you have to realize when you decide that that this is going to be some work. Yes, it is some work. Um, the the second thing I want to say about how do we change, how do we grow? It, this is taken from Philippians. Uh, I believe I believe it is a it's a result of a cooperative effort. Between, between us and God, a cooperative effort, and I'm thinking of uh, Philippians chapter two, chapters two and three. Uh, It's a cooperative effort, okay? Most, Most people, I don't know anyone. I've seen people try this. Most people cannot change themselves. Okay? I'm just saying. Sometimes I wonder why it's that way. And I I think maybe it's because God doesn't want to let us do it. Pardon me. He doesn't want to let us be able to fix ourselves, change ourselves by ourselves, I mean, we we would really be proud, wouldn't we, and then that would have to change. Uh, I, I just don't, I just, people can't change themselves. But while that's true, it's also true that no one can change unless God is working. So we have these two things. So <clears throat> if if you want to turn here, it could be helpful. Philippians 1, I want to read there first, verses uh, 6 and 7. He says, I am sure of this, that who, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That, that maybe means at the return of Christ. Like, God has begun a work and uh, this will continue until uh, the end of your life or Christ returns. Uh, sometimes, Sometimes I think maybe it'll take all of eternity, too, but uh, I'm not sure how this is. And he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. So that's a little side note that um, in our relationships with other people, it's pretty easy to feel fairly hopeless about other people who continue on in whatever we don't like. And and uh, and we, we lose hope that they will ever be different. And Paul is saying, I really believe that God is going to work and he's going to complete the work he began. And the reason I feel that way is because I love you. I have you in my heart and I care about you and you belong to me. That's what that means. <clears throat> God will continue to work. That's what Paul says in uh, in chapter three, and then I'll go back to chapter two. In chapter Philippians three, uh, Paul Paul makes this statement that I've heard people uh, use a lot for various purposes. Um, he he says that he's going to forget everything that's behind. This is in chapter three, verse. 13, he's going to forget what lies behind and he's going to strain for lies ahead, and that sounds like the way to change and grow up is just forget whatever has been and then just be different. I don't think that's what the context is. Um, The context for these remarks is the problem of the people mentioned in verse 2, chapter 3. And I have to be very quick about this. The people he mentions there, he calls them dogs. That's really strong. Dogs, evil workers, and concision. I think maybe that's King James' words. And what he says about them is that they claim that spirituality, or being in God's family, or being in in the right with God, Depends on being a Jew and doing certain Jewish things. And they are... Yes. And these men were dogging his steps. Maybe that's why you call them dogs. They followed him around and dogged his steps. And they were always barking at his heels. And they were stoning him. And they were getting after him. And they were putting him down and demeaning him. And making him out to be... Something bad. Uh, so then, in verses three to six, Paul says, "Well, I did all those things that they're promoting, but it didn't help me get any closer to Jesus. I didn't know Jesus any better. It was it was no help in knowing Jesus. It didn't it didn't help me grow in knowledge of God, Christ." So then, then the next verse, as he says, here's my goal. I want to grow in knowledge of Christ. I want to grow in the righteousness which is of God by faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. And I want to participate in Christ's suffering. And I want to die in the way Christ died. And then I'll be more like Christ and I'll experience a resurrection from the dead, the same kind that Jesus did. Okay, now, those statements in that verse, really, they really describe a lot, one part of what it takes to grow up. Okay, so we could go to Romans 6 and look at this issue of dying with Christ and rising with Christ and how that changes us inside. and It changes our hearts. And then as we do that every day, how it changes the way we think and the way we live and our behavior and we become a different person. Okay, now, I just summarized it. I mean, that is what Romans 6 is talking about and it's what Paul is talking about here. That is a beautiful picture, a beautiful goal. It's the heart. It's the heart of change. So Paul says, then in verses 12 and 13, I have not fully grasped, apprehended, laid hold of all of what I've said I want. I haven't fully grasped, grasped and laid hold of and experienced all of that in the same way that Christ has grasped me. That's what he says. I still have some ways to grow into the experience of this. Well, that's all of us. We have some ways to go to experience What Christ had in mind when he grasped us, laid hold of us, called us into his family, called us to be a believer, called us to be a follower, called us to die, called us to live life with him. Paul says, I haven't grasped all of that, but that that is my goal. So, he says, I'm I'm leaving behind all that other stuff that I worked so hard at and was so intent on, and now I am focused on this. And this is my goal as I go into the future. I believe that's what Paul is saying. That's what we all want to say. Then, in Philippians 2, Paul says, um, his verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence. We could have a conversation about that. This issue of that we work harder at doing well when certain people are around or when we think God is watching. He says, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Then, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay? So here, here's what it says, I believe, is that God, is work, God works in us the willing and the doing. He is working in us what we need so that we can will and do his good will. <clears throat> he is working. I don't think we always know he's working or how he's working. I believe he's working. He's always working. But since we're not a science problem, it doesn't just work as perfectly as God's working. And part of it is that we we work out what God works in, okay? God is working, and we work out what God works in. Now, the last item, and I will really summarize this, I want to say that growth and change requires surrendering to Jesus. And we could, we could look at Luke 9, Luke 13... Uh, where, where Jesus talks about denying self, giving up, surrendering to him. And so I wanna, what I want to say about this is uh, this is not about saving myself, killing myself, deny self. That surrender is about yielding to Jesus myself. It's about yielding to Jesus my thoughts, my feelings, my attitudes, my anger, whatever, whatever, whatever is in my heart or in my life or in my circumstances. Uh, surrender to Jesus is, is letting go of our commitment <clears throat> I'm guessing most of us have experience in what I'm going to say. Yielding, surrender to Jesus is letting go of our commitment to keep ourselves alive apart from Jesus. Keeping ourselves alive apart from surrender of our guilt, shame, our heart our desires, to Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord. And change, change and growth happen. Part of it is, as we surrender to Jesus and we bring to him everything that we are, everything that doesn't work, everything we don't like, everything that other people don't like too, it's bringing all of this to Jesus. Seeking, seeking his direction, input, power, understanding. And now the last thing I want to say is that what I'm talking about uh, is a process and a journey of life. Now I want to I want to make a few comments about myself in closing. Uh, you people here at Gladys. I'm not being critical, I'm just saying how how it is for me. You people here at Gladys have no idea. I don't think you have very much idea what Mary Sue and my life was like for the 25 years we weren't here. And I don't know if we actually knew what our lives were like while we were living it. I'm not complaining, I'm not whatever, I'm just saying because I have a point to make. We, we were very busy and 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 had tremendous amount of responsibility, and I identify with those of you who do have a lot. And some things didn't go too well. Uh, that is, as you know, how relationships can be and how challenges can be. This is life, all right. And in the in the midst of all of that life. Um, you know, you you do what you can do, and you reflect as you can reflect, and you try to grow as you can, and try try to be honest about things. And maybe this is partly a confession on my part, but it is the truth, I think. And so we moved back here in 2014. Now this has been two years. It's been two years and hmm, maybe two two weeks. And the interesting thing to me now is I realize I realize that the last two years I've had more time to actually think about what it is I'm thinking. And I have more time to think about what am I feeling. I have more time to reflect on where I've been and what I've done and how I did it and Okay, you're wondering, well, what did I discover, okay i i think I think um <clears throat> it's a good thing I'm this old doing this, and I'm not twenty, okay I think if I was twenty years old doing this and realized some of these things about myself i think I think I would feel really overwhelmed, okay, but I think I have more maybe more faith in God these days than back then. I'm just saying that as I reflect on these things, I I see, wow, at this age, I still have room to grow. And um, I still have the same challenge of growing as I did when I was young. I'm saying this is a process. This is a lifelong thing. And we can all, we're all called to enter into this. I I would just say, uh, the earlier you enter into this, the better the more God honor blessings to you